All right, the Gopher Report podcast. We are back after a little bit of a hiatus. Not much going on. There's no football, so, you know, it's not <laughs> not a whole lot happening. But we're back. Sean Williams here. Connor Stevens on the other end of the line here. Uh, back for another podcast. And obviously we'll start off uh, just talking about the Big Ten, man. A uh, little bit of moving and shaking. Is this thing going in a positive direction? Will the Big Ten – actually play football in the fall. I don't know. It seems to be uh, a little bit of momentum swaying that way, Connor. What do you think? Well, it seems like someone's lying here. (laughs) And we're really not sure who because, I mean, multiple presidents came out saying there was no vote. It was just kind of a decision that everyone made. Then the Big Ten comes out yesterday saying there was an 11-3 to vote. So, I mean, someone's lying. Um which obviously that that was prompted by the uh, the parents' lawsuit, I think by Nebraska and maybe some other schools in there, but I know Nebraska parents filed a lawsuit, and that obviously prompted that vote to come out, which like you said who's who's kind of lying, who's telling the truth here because obviously Minnesota's president said that there was no vote, and uh, obviously the big Ten came out yesterday with a eleven to three it was an eleven to three vote, and uh, I think the three that Voted to play in the fall was Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State. So, um, yeah, who's who's telling the truth? Who's fibbing? Uh, we don't really know, man. <laughs> it's, it's a big mess, man. Really, it is. It, it really is. But it seems like uh, there's either momentum to play Thanksgiving or uh, it seems like even before that. I mean, President Trump had a call with Kevin Warren and said – it's on the one-yard line. It was a positive call. Uh, which one-yard line, we're still not sure. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's just something that what we talked about two weeks ago or three weeks ago was completely different than what we talked about two weeks ago and is completely different than what we are talking about today. So I, there's a lot subject to change for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned obviously, the – uh, Trump's phone call with Kevin Warren, but obviously, I think I think you kind of think about that. Well, Kevin Warren's not the ultimate decision maker. Once again, we're going to go back to a vote. Maybe <laughs> I don't know if the first one happened or not. You know, <laughs> uh, some presidents said it. A lot of presidents say it didn't, but you know, obviously, the lawsuit prompted uh, Big Ten to come out with a. It was eleven to three. I don't know where they came up with that at. If they just kind of came up with it out of thin air or what, but uh, I'll. Ultimately, it, it will come down to, I think, the president's votes, you know, of each school. So can you get, you know, that many votes, um, you know, to, to come in agreement and have a fall season, you know. And I, I think uh, I think it'll be interesting to kind of find out where this goes. Will they have another vote? Will they have another meeting? Um, and obviously, um, you know, the NCAA came out last week and said, hey, you know, we're going to have the playoffs. It's going to be in December it's going to be in January. We're not swaying from that. So ultimately when they come out with that and said, Hey, this is the playoffs. We're not changing, you know, the dates, the format or anything like that. It pretty much Ixnay's having a spring season, right? There's no really real reason to have it unless you just want some, you know, some big 10 cred, you know, and, you know, in terms of conference champion or whatever, but otherwise you're not going to be involved in a playoff. You're not going to be playing for a national championship. So, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose of having a spring. So maybe them coming out with that is kind of maybe, like you said, swaying swaying things to maybe move in the direction where the Big Ten does play in the fall, whether it's 
in October or around Thanksgiving. I, I think Thanksgiving's a little bit too late. Uh, they obviously probably want to make a decision here pretty soon, so they can be in that playoff mix mix whenever that time comes. So, what do you think on that, Connor? I mean, I think we have some similar thoughts on that. Thanksgiving is just too late. What are you really playing for at the end of the day? A, a Rose Bowl with the Pac-12 that has been silent since they dropped out almost? <laughs> Who knows what the Pac-12 um, is doing, man? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that's the, the biggest blow has been to the Pac-12, not the Big Ten, because the Big Ten's getting blasted for everything. People aren't even worried about the Pac-12, which right. is – and they might have a playoff team in Oregon on uh, in their conference, and they're not even being discussed right now. I mean, the president's tweeting about bringing football back, and he's saying Big Ten and everybody else. And if Pac-12 falls under everybody else, uh, that's not a great sign for their reputation. No, no. And you, you, you kind of notice, I mean, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, you don't hear any upheaval from parents and stuff like that that like you have from the Big Ten. So it's just like almost like, I don't know. I don't know where the passionate Pac-12 fans are at. Obviously, I don't. I don't think they exist. It seems like so. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, something to definitely keep an eye on and see what happens. It seems like uh, it's like you kind of said, Connor. It seems like we talk about something every time we do a podcast, and it's always something different than the time than what we talked about before. So it seems like uh, this situation's not exactly completely resolved yet. There still might be possibilities for a fall season. I guess we'll just continue to monitor that as we go along. So um, we'll flip the script on that, kind of keep that short and sweet. We'll uh, maybe transition over to a little college hoops. Um, that seems like it's a, a big possibility. Either uh, I know John Rothstein tweeted out last uh, in the last couple of days, maybe last week, that he said there was two possible dates for a college uh, basketball start date. I think he said November 24th and December or December 4th will be a start date. And obviously there's some talk about, you know, playing in a bubble too. And that's kind of exciting when you think about it. Uh, just tell us, uh, give us your thoughts on that, Connor. Uh, yeah, I, I like the idea a lot. I mean, you're seeing a lot of success within the NBA. Uh, they haven't had positive tests in forever it seems like since they very first entered the bubble. And as soon as they did, it just got cleared up right away after a few days of quarantine. And I think it's going to work for college basketball. And again, the NCAA can't afford not to play the NCAA tournament again. That's where they make a lot of their money. Um, I mean, football, a lot of that money goes straight to the conferences and TV deals. But the NCAA tournament is a huge money maker for the NCAA. And they already missed it once. Um, so I, I think the I like the Thanksgiving start date a lot for basketball, not football. Right. Uh, and I think um, Rostin also mentioned that Mohegan's son in Connecticut could be a destination for non-conference tournaments, including the Gophers uh, Hall of Fame tip-off uh, for later in this season. Uh, I like the idea a lot. I know we talked about that a lot last last podcast. It could be some really good TV. Uh, people love and want college basketball, and uh, we could see a, a lot of battles in the bubbles going around all across the country pretty soon here. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, like you mentioned, it's been a pretty good success in terms of NBA and, and all that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I know the NCAA kind of uh, – what they do, I think they trademark 
uh, the Battle of the Bubble, uh, in quotations, uh, that they trademarked that saying. So uh, it seems like they're kind of uh, going in that direction in terms of maybe there'll be multiple, you know, uh, you know, out of conference tournaments um, that they, I don't know, maybe they claim them battle of the bubbles. But I mean, you talk about the NCAA tournament too. Obviously, they can't afford to not have that again. But it seems like if if they need to, when it comes March, you know, they can definitely uh, bubble up the NCAA tournament. You know, I mean, you know, and have obviously different locations. I mean, they obviously do anyway. Uh, you know, but um, that could definitely work out. Uh, quite well for college basketball just in terms of uh, playing in a bubble, playing tournaments in a bubble and things like that. So, but by that point, maybe we'll have fans in the stands. I don't know how that's going to work out too. So that'd be interesting to kind of follow as well. But it seems like college basketball is definitely on the uh, clear path to come back either, whether that'd be Thanksgiving or the week after. Um, yeah. So uh, anything else you want to add to that? Uh, Not really, but I mean, it's, it's something that, not only the NCAA needs, but I mean, universities need that they need some of the major sports to play, especially if someone like the or a conference like the Big Ten is not going to play football this year, which is still yet to be seen. Yeah. Um, they can't also not play basketball financially for their university and for their athletic departments. That doesn't make sense. I, I mean, Iowa's been cutting programs, uh, athletic departments around the country have been cutting programs and taking scholarships and opportunities from student athletes in non-revenue making sports uh, and they're cutting people in their athletic departments on their staff and a lot of people are out of work because of that so I I think college basketball is for sure going to go on uh, and that's a really good sign yeah you mentioned uh you mentioned people cutting back and sports programs uh, our Nebraska side Husker online they had a good article this morning uh, kind of outlying um, just kind of cutbacks Nebraska had, but they also kind of looked at the Big Ten as a whole so far, you know, just in terms of certain pro uh, different programs that have either, you know, laid people off, furloughed people, or uh, have cut some sports programs. I know Iowa's cut some Olympic sports as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a major hit whenever you don't play uh, football, which is a huge revenue sport. Basketball's second, of course. If you don't play those two sports in a calendar year, I mean – that's going to do a lot of damage to your, uh, you know, to your finances. So, um, yeah, hopefully we don't see that happen. It seems like, seems like we've got a good, we've got good examples in like the NBA and the WNBA is laid kind of the groundwork on how, uh, how bubbles can work and how they can be beneficial and how you can not have the worry of testing positive for COVID and, and not kind of ruining your, uh, you know, ruining the games you got scheduled and everything like that. So that's a good, uh, that's a good mm -hmm. thing moving forward for the NCAA. And I mean, luckily, the NCAA tournament is already somewhat of a bubble. Right, right. I mean, you're you have guys starting out just traveling and going and staying in a hotel. I mean, you cut out the fans a little bit, but obviously that's all the way into March, which is months and months away. So we don't know what that's going to be like and what the situation will be like. Right. But I think basketball and the way travel set up, especially since you're traveling 15 to 20 people instead of an entire football team and staff and 
equipment management department like there's it's a lot more manageable to take on that type of bubble and quarantine and they've already been doing it uh there's definitely going to be some differences this year but uh, i think it the like you said with um nba wnba and kind of just what the current college basketball landscapes like um I, i think it's already kind of set towards the plan so uh, i'm excited for college basketball i know you're excited i think everyone's just excited to watch college sports again Uh, although the central arkansas austin p game was a very good start (laughs) right yeah i mean yeah we had some college football this past uh weekend i mean i I had it on i I paid attention to it somewhat i know it was kind of a sloppy game but it was an exciting game went overtime and uh there was a lot of turnovers there, but still it was kind of good to see it, you know, on TV, kind of kind of made you have that sense of normalcy. And I know this weekend, I mean, there's there's a few games on Thursday. There's uh, a handful of games on Saturday, and I think Labor Day is uh, BYU-Navy, I think. So, uh, you know, you got, you got some college football options this weekend as well, so it's pretty exciting. But you mentioned uh, – you mentioned the NCAA tournament kind of already being in a bubble. You know, I could kind of see a scenario where, you know, maybe they have the first – instead of just, you know, just having the first two rounds at one spot, maybe they go all to, you know, up until the, you know, the regional semis, and then they have the final four, you know, in another spot, you know. Um, definitely definitely uh, easy ways to kind of maybe change the schedule in, in terms of – um, making it one permanent bubble all the way up to the final four and then you move to another bubble for the final four or another arena however you want to do it but um, there's definitely a lot of options there and, and it's like you said it's it's a lot more manageable when you just got like you know 15 to 20 people that are traveling you know you got your team you got your coaches you got you know some support staff so uh, it's a lot it's a lot less to deal with than, you know, a hundred plus people when you're dealing with college football team. So, um, exactly. And I mean, that's, it's so far away right now. And we've talked about how much things have changed in the past three weeks since we first talked about this. Uh, and this is five, six months away. So you got to think that CDC guidelines and uh, their thoughts on everything's going to change. Um, there could be more progress towards a vaccine. Testing capacity could be triple what it is today because that seems like that's what everybody's working on. And that seems like it's the key, accurate and high volume testing. So, I mean, everything we could be saying right now could be around relevant but in a very good way because things seem like they're moving forward and that that means a lot for college basketball and the outlook on the season yeah definitely definitely well we'll we'll flip the script we'll move into a little recruiting talk I'll start with you Connor uh, because you were once again on the road just a just a little bit uh you stayed in the city in the Minneapolis area um, Howard Pooley had a tournament uh over the weekend you were up there you mainly uh were keeping eyes on Trey Holloman uh, just tell us a little bit about Trey, what you kind of saw from him and uh, during your time there this weekend. Yeah, Howard Pulley's only played a couple tournaments uh, this year. Saw him once in Ames, Iowa. And uh, one thing about Trey Holloman that I've learned is that he really, really shows up for big games. Uh, I mean, last year during the high school season, he was a sophomore going up against Minnehaha Academy and Jalen Suggs and 
Chen Holmgren, uh, Prince Oligbe, uh, and he looked like he was one of, if not the best player on the court that night and helped lead his team to a win. Then in Ames, Iowa earlier this year, uh, I saw him play against 2021 Wisconsin point guard commit uh, Chucky Hepburn and his team won there. Let's also, for this AAU season, he's on a 16U team playing up in 17U tournaments. So everyone that he's playing and his team is playing uh, is older than him. And he's going up against nationally ranked guys and not only winning the games, but it looks like he might be the best player on the court. Uh, And then this past weekend, he was playing against Omaha Sports Academy and five-star guard Hunter Salas, who's got offers from everywhere, including Kentucky. Uh, And Pulley's 16s team took down Omaha Sports Academy. And again, Trey looked like one of the best players on the court. Uh, He's a really special player in transition. Uh, It looks like he's got eyes for not only exactly where his teammates are cutting, but he knows where the defense is going to fill lanes. And he looks off guys and finds his teammates for just wide open baskets. I think he had six or seven assists in the first half of the first game that I saw him. Um, The question is with his jump shot, how consistent is it Um, from the outside uh, it's it's not too smooth. Uh, I mean, he gets his shot off and he can knock him down, but his mechanics aren't too consistent. But uh, that's that's really not something that's going to hold him back at the next level, in my opinion. He can pull up from the mid-range. He finishes through contact at the rim extremely well. Uh, he's very long. He's disruptive on defense, guards for 90 feet. Um when it's time for a big game, he shows up and he's someone that is well worthy of his four star ranking. And if he had a jump shot, he would uh, not, not that he doesn't have a jump shot, but if he had a more consistent outside shot, he'd be way higher in the rankings. Uh, And I also talked to Renee Pulley, the program director who's been around forever. And uh, he talked about the comparison of Trey Jones and another guy that played for Pulley and went on to play for Duke. Uh, and I, I've had the chance to watch Trey a lot. I, I played against him a few times in high school, and I ag- agree with that assessment a lot because he's someone that Pulley doesn't have a whole lot of talent on their team in terms of high major D1 talent. Uh, they have a few guys that will probably play some mid-major ball, uh, some D2 ball, and they're they're a solid team, but they're going up against – uh, not only a higher age group, but groups of teams that have multiple guys that are going to play some really high-level college basketball. And Trey Holloman is just one of those guys that raises the level of everybody around him. And that's where I see the uh, Trey Jones comparison uh, really showing that it's true. Because uh, he was a guy that led his team to a state championship his senior year when Gary Trent Jr. left for a prep school. And there weren't a whole lot of guys around him, but he just elevated his game. And uh, Trey's a guy that has – Trey Holloman is a guy that has a lot of those similar qualities. Um, as we know, Michigan State's on him really hard. He's got a really good relationship with uh, Tom Izzo. Uh, Kansas is calling – Uh, Arizona's calling he's got a lot of schools on him Iowa State Marquette um, but there's the Minnesota connection he really likes the area 
Uh, he is from Minneapolis. His mom was a college basketball player at the University of Minnesota. So there's that connection there. Coach Ed Conroy has been on him hard. He's always at the games in the local area. I uh, saw him last year at the game against YZ. And it seems like they have a good relationship and he's working hard there. So uh, Michigan State might be the team to beat, but Minnesota's going to be there for, uh, for a lot of the ride. Awesome. Sounds great, man. Good stuff. Like you said, you did a great job again with your scouting reports and uh, and all that. And uh, yeah, keep up the good work. Any uh, any other AAU stuff coming up down the road, Connor? Uh, the season's winding down a lot right now. Um, yeah. I think there might be one week left, one or two, but uh, I'll keep my eye out. And if there's anything in the area, I'll be there. And um, I'm I'm also planning on having a deeper dive film review on uh, Trey Holloman um, from this past weekend. Both his games should be up on YouTube. So I'm looking to cut up some film, uh, maybe talk to him about that and get some more content on the Gopher Report for, uh, for Holloman. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Well, I also hit the road this past week, went up to Omaha, Nebraska. My first time there. You ever been to Omaha, Connor? Um, I have once or twice for a couple AAU tournaments, but okay. uh, never really got the the <laughs> privilege to hang out around the area for too long. Besides uh, going to a few gyms and staying in a hotel, <laughs> that's about what I did. I stayed in a hotel in Council Bluffs, <laughs> right on the river, and uh, I went to uh, Westside High School. Uh, drove down down drove through downtown after the game just to, but it, it almost a nice little city, so I, I kind of dug it. Uh, but, yeah, I went and watched Devontae Dickerson's uh, season opening game. Uh, they opened on Thursday night against Creighton Prep. Um, obviously, it was, uh, you know, a big rivalry game for them. I know I talked to uh, Westside's head coach about Devontae before the game, like the day before. And uh, he said, you know, normally they'd have like seven to 9,000 people there. But he said, you know, we'll, we'll probably have about 500 due to COVID. You know, they were only letting limited people in, you know, family and, and things like that. So, but it was really nice to kind of get out. It's my first game I covered uh, this season, so it was kind of good to kind of get out and, uh, you know, kind of feel normal again. And uh, got to watch Avante play. Uh, obviously, you know, Minnesota likes him at cornerback. Uh, he didn't really flash a lot of skills at corner just because they, they didn't throw the ball his way any, you know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they definitely avoided his side of the field. I think the one time, the one time they did throw his direction, it was uh, – kind of a little uh, wide receiver screen. He wasn't even covering the guy. Uh, he was covering somebody else, but the, but like the slot receiver kind of came out into his area and uh, he read the play and uh, actually got a jump on the ball, but the ball was thrown really high and he tried to jump up. I think he got his fingertips on it. So he almost got a pick six, uh, but the ball was thrown too high and it just kind of went off his fingertips. So that was really the only time he was challenged on defense. But obviously he's a he's a great athlete. I mean, obviously plays both sides of the ball. Uh, made his presence felt on offense. Um, obviously Westside they they ended up blowing the uh, Creighton Prep out like forty two to nothing. They blanked them. But uh, you know he got free for a sixty five yard touchdown uh, reception in the second quarter. Just kind of blew by his uh, his defender had about a five yard gap when he hauled in the pass and just turned on the Jets. So. Um, he uh, broke off a broke off about a twenty yard run late in the game, so just kind of showing off his burst a little bit. Uh, 
his burst, his change of direction, his explosiveness. I mean, he kind of showed off all of his talents. You kind of see why he's a four-star prospect. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just over the – you know, he didn't really do didn't really do much in the return game. I think he tried to return one punt, and he just returned it three yards. Other, otherwise, he was just fair catching it. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously he's a – He's a guy that kind of, you know, you got to watch on both sides of the ball, and he's extremely talented on both sides of the ball. Obviously, he's going to play defense. Uh, had a chance to talk to him after the game, of course. A uh, really nice kid. Uh, really excited about being a part of Minnesota's class. Had a lot of family there, actually. From uh, He said a lot of family came in from Ohio. Some of his extended family came in to watch him play. So he had, a, he had quite the entourage there after the game. He was, he was talking to before I got a chance to talk to him. So, uh Really nice kid. Got some highlights. Um, put those up on the uh, on the site. Obviously, did a video interview with him. He went in depth about his uh, his relationship with the staff and everything, and uh, just how excited he is to be a part of Minnesota's class. His relationship with the other commitments in the class, and getting to hang out with those guys in Miami over the summer and and uh, everything. So uh, it was a really good trip, man. I was uh, really excited about that to just kind of get the get a chance to watch Minnesota as one of one of their higher profile kids uh play his first game of the season so yeah he uh, seemed like uh the, the two takeaways I had from looking at your content from that trip is that he's excited to be a gopher he really likes the coaching staff yeah and uh from the highlights you took he's a really high level athlete I mean he plays you said four positions he returns punts uh, he's a defensive back, obviously, what he's coming into play at the Gophers, but he also plays receiver, caught a touchdown there, and running back, and had a big run there. And usually uh, the Gophers in the past, if we go back five, ten years, haven't had a lot of success getting those super high-level athletes. And if you watch those highlights uh, that you took up on the Gopher Report, he is fast. He is really, really fast. Like, it looks like he's just moving at another speed than the other team. So, I think that's uh, – he's a guy Gopher fans should be really excited about because he's a really high-level athlete. Yeah, he, you know, like, with the lineup on the offense, and, you know, I think he got the ball thrown to him maybe, maybe three or four times. But, you know, I, I threw in some highlights there where he was kind of going downfield a little bit in its routes just to kind of show off his explosion and you mentioned it I mean he kind of has another gear whenever you know whenever he turns it on he's got another gear when it comes to speed so it was really impressive to kind of see that in person um so yeah it was a really good uh, really good trip really good takeaway from uh, really appreciate Avante talking to me and uh I'll have some more uh from his head coach do a coach analysis piece coming up uh, here in the next couple of days. So I have more from his head coach just about uh, Avante and everything. So look forward to that. Um, also, uh, I think before we go, I'll just kind of go through the rivals rankings. I did like a little, um, just kind of a recap story uh, yesterday. I posted it. But obviously rivals, um, you know, had their rankings update. They released for the 2021 class last week. And uh, obviously the big takeaway was Devin Eastern becoming the newest four-star in the class. Uh, he joins Avante Dickerson, as we previously mentioned, and uh, Stephen Ortiz as uh, three uh, three Gopher commitments that are now have four-star status. So that was a big that was a big update for in terms of that. Um, 
Avante Diggerson, which we just mentioned, he's uh, he's still in the rivals 250. He slid about nine spots. He's down to number 217. It wasn't too big of a slide, though, when you look at the grand scheme of things. Uh, I think there was like uh, maybe six or seven other players in the 250 that dropped nine spots, and then there was about like 54 more that dropped 10 or more spots. So a lot of moving and shaking that those things happen in the rivals 250. Um, Ethan Kelly uh, the quarterback commit, he actually moved up to number nine in the Illinois state rankings. So uh, that was a pretty big jump for him. I think he moved up about four spots there. And uh, Stephen Ortiz is in the top five in the state of Arizona. Uh, he moved up a little bit, so now he's in the top five in his state. Uh, Brady Boyd's moved up to number 84 in Texas. Obviously, Texas is always extremely loaded with talent, but he's, uh, he's number 84. He moved up a little bit, and uh, Cameron James moved up to number 22 in the state of Illinois, so he moved up a little bit in the state ranking. So kind of a brief takeaway uh, from the Rivals rankings updates from last week. Huh. And, we'll, right. and we'll have uh, we'll have more on guys like Ethan Cleek, Manis this weekend. Uh, their their team's coming up to Maple Grove again for right. uh, seven on seven tournament. So Alex Carlson will be there. Uh, he's done some great film breakdowns in the past on them, and we're excited to get some trained eyes that he has on them to see him live and see Ethan throw. Um, I know you said Marquise Irving's going to be there too. Right. Uh, Dino Kalik Manis as well. And uh, Jameson Gears, you said? Yeah, Jameson Gears will be there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so he'll, Alex will be there. I'm hoping to be there as well. I'll be making my return trip from uh, the Boundary Waters. So driving back from Grand Marais, I'm going to stop by in Maple Grove and uh, see some future gophers. So excited to do that. Just make sure you're not, you're not going to be hung up or anything, are you? <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll be tired, but probably not hungover. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sounds good. Yeah, we're excited. Obviously, got kind of got the news last night that, uh, you know, uh, um, Ace and Dino, Jamison, Marquis, a group from Chicago is going to come up there to that uh, seven-on-seven tournament in Minneapolis. And uh, obviously, Illinois, those, those kids are not playing football this fall. So uh, uh, the team from EFT uh, – based out of Chicago, they're, uh, they're bringing a team up there, and obviously it has four uh, the Gopher commits we just mentioned. So they're going to be up in the Minneapolis area uh, doing some seven-on-seven stuff, and uh, we're pretty excited to have uh, you and Alex out there to kind of uh, check them out and uh, get some updates, put some content on our site, and, uh, you know, just get to kind of see those kids in person. So really excited about that, and I appreciate you guys for doing that. And with yeah, that, always, uh, always great, especially this time of year when you can go out and see some live sports. Right, right. <laughs> so make it feel a little bit normal now. Let's uh, get out and see some live sports and everything like that. Uh, anything else to add to our podcast today, Connor? I don't think so. Uh, got a lot of content coming from football, from basketball recruiting side, so uh, stay tuned. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate everything Connor does. Appreciate everything Alex does. And uh, we appreciate all you guys for uh, tuning into our podcast and being a part of the Gopher Report. And we will see you guys next time.